You're listening to the Cars of Carlisle podcast, episode 29. Our interview with Michelle Orth of Curitiba, Brazil. Cars of Carlisle is your favorite internationally downloaded podcast about all things automotive. Each week, Darren and Holly bring you topics from car shows to racing to personal stories about local car nuts. This week, Darren sits down with friend, colleague, and fan of the show, Michelle Orth, to talk about racing, motorcycles, and all things automotive below the equator. So let's get revved up. Hello, Cubers. It's Darren. And Holly. We are so glad to have you back again. You are making this show so much fun to keep doing. It is, again, your podcast. We just happen to be at the front seats steering it along. But Holly was away last week. Um, This week we had a chance to catch up. We're traveling different directions and here, there, and everywhere, but we're going to continue to make sure we get great content for you. Holly, what would you think about uh, the whole Brazilian interview? That's awesome. I'm so excited to have some flavor of the South and below the equator. I mean, right. I've never been to South America, so having an interview with Michelle and to hear how things are so different down there than they are here mm-hmm. was really insightful. And how about when he was talking about the rental car and it was great to have the V8 engine and just oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. a giant toy, essentially. Yeah. But Michelle, is, he is such a great guy and want to thank uh, all of our friends in uh, um, Brazil and throughout Latin America, but I thought it was so so cool how he said, "Forgive me for my. Um, I hope my accent wasn't too thick and what have you." My goodness, his <laughs> English is extraordinary. Yeah. I I can barely fumble my way through an airport while in Brazil, um, and he just he's just so eloquent. So I think it uh, you'll find the interview just flows so nicely. Yeah, we were really fortunate to have this time with him. Yeah, and we hope to have him back. In fact, uh, he will probably be stateside, I'm hoping, in the springtime. And if it happens to be during one of the Carlisle shows, great. If it happens to be uh, a different time of year, we'll go for a ride or do something. But he's he's definitely a motorhead, so we want to celebrate that. You know, that's a really good point. You know, when people listen to the interview and knowing that we have access to him again, if, uh, if somebody has a question that you want to ask Michelle, Please let us idea. know. I, I bet he would be more than happy I know to he would. answer any questions. I know so he would. Email us or respond, put a comment on our Instagram post mm-hmm. about Michelle's episode or whatever you want to do. But if there's something that's really drawn your curiosity, please feel free to reach out. That's an excellent idea. Cars of Carlisle at Outlook.com. Of course, as Holly said, Cars of Carlisle on Instagram, Facebook. Shoot us an email, message us. Michelle would love to do that. He actually is very excited to come back to the show. And that just made me think, when he does come stateside in 2019, maybe we'll just yank him in here to the studio and uh, have him join us some evening. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I know we're going to talk about this again later, but I wanted to go ahead and and plug it now so that people know uh, in case they are only interested in Michelle's interview and don't want to listen to our closing at the end. (laughs) Why would they ever do that, Holly? Holly, come on now. But the um, episode 31, we are going to do what we're thankful for Mm. uh, in honor of Thanksgiving. Perfect. And I think it would be great for our fans to reach out via email and let us know what you guys are thankful for this year. It's 2018. Um, Obviously, lots been happening and 
maybe some of you guys actually made it out to SEMA uh, mm-hmm. this year. So you could be thankful for that. Um, mm-hmm. But I just think it would be great. So if you, uh, while you're in the spirit of reaching out, whether it's a, a question for Michelle or if it's something about what you're thankful for, please reach out and let us know those same cars of Carlisle at outlook.com and on Instagram and Facebook. I'm so glad you mentioned that now. And that is really something we're, we're excited about with uh, Thanksgiving week show. Um, we'll be launching that episode on Thanksgiving Eve, essentially, but, uh, everybody has something to be thankful for. And, uh, we've all been blessed in a lot of different ways and, and certainly we want to hear from you. So when you do message us, as Holly just mentioned, let us know if we can mention your first name and last name initial or whatever you feel comfortable with or or your, where your country or your, your city. We'd love to, uh, kind of spread the word that way. So great. Thank you for calling that out. So without further ado, can we get into the interview? Let's do it. Cubers, this is Darren, and I am actually on the phone tonight with my good friend, Michelle Orth. He is based in Curitiba, Brazil, and uh, he and I worked together during our our day jobs. In fact, uh, as colleagues, we had a chance to meet up while I was in Brazil about two weeks ago, so uh, the latter part of October. And uh, Michelle, welcome to uh, Cars of Carlisle. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, it's good to have you. And, and I know it's actually 11.43 on a Thursday night in Brazil. And, uh, <laughs> you've been watching some NFL, American football NFL, right? Exactly. I was just catching up the 49ers against the, Rider, the Raiders. And uh, as I told you before, the 49ers are kicking the Raiders' <laughs> butt. So, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> well, good. But I have to say, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I know that there will be some people maybe not liking that, but uh, yeah, that's just that's a, my team. <laughs> well, did I? I don't think I, I definitely didn't tell you when I was down there for the last trip, but uh, I got to go to uh, AT and T Stadium. That okay, was, wow. That was an experience, and I, you really um, you need to sometimes see that because Jerry Jones, when he built that place, as you probably have read, oh spares, yeah, to spend the no money, expense, yeah, and. It, he wanted every uh, NFL uh, fan to feel like they're coming into a five-star hotel when they come to a game, and it is definitely that feeling. It's 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 extraordinary. So absolutely. Well, just the the screens they have on the field—they're larger than my apartment here in Brazil. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take your building and lay it on its side. But, absolutely. But we uh, we're also car guys, and uh, that's that's what this show is about—car community and, and car culture and. Um, maybe we start with uh, talking about you've you've spent some time in the U.S. You've been in the c- central Pennsylvania. Um, you know of, of, of uh, American culture and things. How would you say that there's a difference between um, U.S. and, and Brazilian? Uh, the way that we look at cars, all of us. Well, I, I would start saying that the the main difference uh, is related to the cost of having cars. Uh, I mean, I, I, as you said, I, I've been to the U.S. a few times and, I mean, I've watched everything there is to watch on TV about American culture and try to live and experience that. And, um, of course, I understand your passion for, for cars. And we do have our passion here as well, but uh, I would say that here 
For us, it's a lot harder to, to do some things uh, or even to have some older cars, to restore it, to rebuild it, to do some things that we would like to because uh, the cost is pretty high. I think the last time we talked, uh, I even mentioned some things related to the cost of cars, the differences, the same car in the U.S. and compared to the price here in Brazil, uh, it's almost twice. I mean, the price here in Brazil, it's almost twice as much due to some taxes and everything. But then when it comes to the culture and the passion, uh, then uh, I would say that, of course, uh, America is, you know, the birth of the automobile culture and uh, not only, you know, the birth of the automobile culture, but on the the, the street cars culture but here in brazil we from probably the 80s uh onwards we it's been pretty easy to see that this has been developing more and more so you do find a lot of car clubs here in brazil and uh, as you know uh, i live in curitiba it's a big city it's about 1.8 million people here Mm -hmm. Uh, not counting the surrounding cities this is just Curitiba on its own. So we have dozens of car clubs, motorcycle clubs here. And then since it's a huge city, uh, you can find all kinds of it. I mean, old cars club, uh, turbo cars club, specific cars club, like the golf club, mm-hmm. you know, golf from Volkswagen. Yeah, sure. Or, yeah, I mean, a sports car for the, the people who are uh, wealthier. So it, it's fun. But uh, again, I think that the main difference is cost-wise when it comes to how to do things in Brazil. Mm-hmm. So we always have to find the Brazilian way to make things happen. Well, that's understandable. Tell the uh, the, the car, Cars of Carlisle Cubers about the time you were you were here in Central PA and you uh, your rental car was a bit surprising. You ended up getting a, a muscle car, which brought <laughs> a smile on your face. Yeah, I mean, that was really, really <laughs> unexpected. I mean, I was traveling for work and as the company has, uh, you know, the, the, their um, their cultures, I mean, we only get the, the basic car when we rent a car for the company. And that's okay. That's normal. That happens every time I travel and I've traveled to the U.S. a few times for the company. I've traveled to Europe I don't know, more than 10 times. And every time I go, I get the most simple car in the rental car. <laughs> and uh, then, okay, this is me, Michelle, just landed in uh, in uh, Washington. I don't remember which airport I got, but um, I think it was the International Do uh, Airport. Yeah, Dallas Airport. And um, then, okay, I'll go get my car. And uh, the person says, okay, so here's the paper, sign it here, and you can go outside and pick your car. I go outside, I try to look for the shittiest one, like, okay, there's nothing here, I only see this uh, black, um, what was it, uh, a Dodge Challenger, uh, I think it was, yeah, this black Dodge Challenger SRT, I go back inside, uh, a lady, I think there's a misunderstanding, I only paid for the basic one, and then she looked outside, well, that's the only thing we got, okay. <laughs> I'll humbly accept it. Thank you. <laughs> and then I got this uh, Dodge Challenger. Uh, as I said, it's the SRT or STR. Uh, SRT, I think. It's, yeah, it had a, it. Yep. yeah, it had a V8 engine, uh, more than 300 horsepower. It was amazing. It was my first experience with a muscle car. <laughs> I was just so afraid to do anything that was illegal on an American road that oh, I was... Right. 
I drove from Washington to Shippensburg, uh, 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 you know, flawlessly, like not, <laughs> not exceeding one mile, uh, over the limit. And, uh, but I said, okay, at least I got this. But then, uh, you got me the, the experience of maybe finding some, how can I say, secondary roads in Shippensburg. And, uh, I got the chance to speed it up a little bit. <laughs> It was really fun, really fun, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad. That's that's a lot of what uh, the men and women that love this show are, are about. It's just the enjoying of the cars and the, and the horsepower and the rawness of it. And it's it's addictive. I mean, once you start to experience some of that, that horsepower and, and just that the growl of the V8 and the exhaust, and it, it's... Exactly. It gets in your bones. It really does. Yeah. And I mean, try to try to make a parallel. I mean, here in Brazil, my first car was a Volkswagen Beetle. It was a 1985 Beetle. It had a 1.6 uh, boxer liter engine mm-hmm. with uh, 62 horsepower. And then I had the chance to go to a V8, possibly, I don't know the, the, the size of the engine, but it was probably five liter with three more than 300 horsepower. That was a huge change. So yes. just to have a parallel, uh, it, it was really thrilling. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's cool. And there is no, as they say, there is no replacement for displacement. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and you have to make the most of the opportunities. Then, of course, after you showed me that secondary road on one of the days I was there, <laughs> on my way back home, I said, well, you know what? <laughs> I might you only live, Yeah, you only live once. That's what you say, right? So right. that if I go to jail, if at least I go to jail happy. And then uh, <laughs> I didn't do anything stupid, but uh, I at least got the chance to hear the engine. I even recorded a little video of... You know, just ah. speeding up a little bit, going to like 80 miles, maybe 90 miles per hour, just to feel the, the power of the engine. And uh, it was really amazing. Yeah, That's cool. Now I'm glad you got to enjoy some of that. That's, that's that American muscle that we love so much. Yeah. Well, I know when we had, uh, we caught up over, over a dinner and everything while we were down there. Um, I really like that story you have in... Uh, in your garage, you have a motorcycle, uh, yeah. CBR 600, if my memory serves, right? Almost that. It's a CBR 650. Yeah. 650. Okay. Well, tell us all about uh, about it and some some wild times on that. And uh, I think that's the kind of stuff that would be fun to hear. Good. Sure. Absolutely. Um, well, I've been a big fan of four wheel four wheelers and two wheelers for for a long time maybe ever since I was a kid. and uh, But my first vehicle was actually a motorcycle. It was not a car. So the first thing I got when I uh, turned 18, because that's the legal age for driving or riding a motorcycle here in Brazil, the first thing I got was a small motorcycle. And then my first car was the Volkswagen Beetle. And um, I mean, since then, I've always had motorcycles. I've had different kinds of motorcycles, the smaller ones, Uh, bigger ones and uh, well right now I have this uh, CBR 650F uh, it's a pretty good uh, model 
um, it's not this, uh, the, 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 the top from, from Honda. Honda, of course, has the CBR 1000, the Fireblade. Uh, but it's a good one, at least for me, for my size, because it's not a sports motorcycle. It's a sport touring. So the cushioning is better. The, 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 the riding position is more comfortable. And, uh, I'm a little bit tall. I'm 6'3. So whenever I ride those very sports motorcycle, my back, well, it just kills me. Yeah. So I had to make a choice. Do I really, do I go super fast or do I go fast enough and comfortably? That you can and stand up and walk the next day. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, I went for the second option. Good. And uh, it, I mean, it's a bike that I use on my daily commute. I go to work, back to, back home. I do whatever I have to do uh, uh, over the city. But once again, it's a 650 four-cylinder, uh, four-inline engine. It has, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 85 or 80, no, I think it's 87 horsepower. So it's still powerful enough to take you to about 150 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. And um, that's pretty fast. I mean, you can get killed uh, with that very easily. Yeah. And I was stupid uh, enough to, to do that more than once. And uh, there is this one funny story that I shared with you uh, when <laughs> yeah. you, you were here. Um, I, I mean, it, it's fun because, of course, I understand that uh, what I did was um, maybe not the best example for the young uh, guys out there listening to us. So if you're listening to us don't do it or if you do it do it carefully Uh, (laughs) but it's fun because it shows uh, this uh, as you say this uh, spirit of the people who love uh, you know motor uh, motorcycles or cars or uh, just the the, you know this uh, culture of uh, engines and uh, having this horsepowers and everything and uh, I was taking this uh, one day trip to a city nearby it's about uh, 60 miles from here Maybe a little bit more, but let's round it up to 60 miles from here. And uh, on this, the, the middle of this road, we have two pole lanes where you have to, toll lanes where you have to stop, pay the mm-hmm. toll so that you can advance. The first two stages of the trip, it's pretty much straight lines with a few open wide curves. And the last part is very curvy. So you really have to push the edge, you know, on your riding and driving skills if you want to go fast. And of course, I was trying to have some fun. So I was speeding up. So I left Curitiba to this town close here. And right in the first few miles, uh, I met this uh, this guy. Um, I was just not that fast. Uh, I don't know, maybe about uh, 60 miles per hour uh, because there were some, some radars at the, that zone. And this guy was driving a Ford Fusion. Um, if I'm not mistaken, this Ford Fusion is one of those with a 2.4 liter engine with the EcoBoost engine. Mm-hmm. So it's a turbo uh, engine that provides uh, 204, let me see, 240 horsepower. Mm. So, yep. Yep. I mean, it's not a muscle car, but it's fast enough. It's a hot hatch. It's a fun yeah. car. Yeah, sure. uh, it can be fun, especially if you know how to ride it. And uh, I think he was trying to tease me, you know, because we were like <laughs> side to side at around 60 and then he would speed up a little bit and then slow down, speed up a little bit and slow down. I said, okay, I think this guy is trying to, to play with me. <laughs> so I said, okay, let's do it. And I just revved it up the motorcycle like, you know, like two or three times, vroom, 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 <laughs> looked at him and then he just sped it up. 
and I went after him. So uh, it was really nice. I mean, as I said, the first two parts of it, <clears throat> it's pretty much straight lines. And uh, on the straight line, of course, I had the advantage because the top speed from my motorcycle beats the top speed from the car. Um, so uh, it was easier for me. And that's probably when we hit the, the top speed of the trip where I was able to reach 150 miles per hour. And I think the car probably reached something at like 140, 145, but it was pretty close. I could never get wow. a lot of distance from him. Right, right. How long did this ensue? About... Yeah, five minutes, 20 minutes. How long was the whole battle, if you will? No, the, the whole battle, I would say it's probably 40 miles. I mean, it was okay, so it maybe really like was... 20, yeah, like 30 minutes, the, the, the total. Because remember, I said that there were two uh, toll uh, places where I, with a motorcycle, had to stop, get my wallet, get the cash, yeah. pay, put the wallet back, etc. And the guy had one of those uh, fast passes. Okay, so gotcha. he just blew he right just, through. Yeah, he just drove through, and then I had to go after him twice to see if I could, you know, catch him and then start battling again. So that's why he was like back and forth, back and forth. And then on the third part of the road, that's when the curves really started. Yeah. And that's when it got really fun because, of course, on the curves, four wheels they have more adherence to the floor than the two wheels. Yeah. So he had the advantage. But still, it was really fun, and we were doing those curves at about 130 miles per hour. <laughs> I was pretty close to him. Uh, sometimes I would pass him, and he would pass me back. It was fun, but again, I think that the most uh, interesting part is that <clears throat> that recognition that the two of you know what you're doing, and you're yeah. doing it for fun, not to try to do something bad for another person. Because at the end of the road, I had to turn right and get to the city, and he was continuing, you know, on the same uh, straight line. I just revved my motorcycle again twi twice, like vroom, vroom. He nice. just honked and, you know, just waved goodbye. <laughs> Each one followed their own path. And I got home with a big smile, like, wow, that was a fun day. Yeah. Well, how, when you were hitting 150, that's miles per hour, not kilometers per hour, correct? Exactly. This is miles per hour. Okay. In kilometers, this is like 240 kilometers per hour. Okay. And uh, where were you in the uh, in the rev band? Were you in the, were you approaching like the yellow, not quite getting to the red line, or where were yeah. you? Yeah. No, no. This was stop. I mean, I really there, could not go any faster with my motorcycle. Okay. So uh, probably doing uh, twelve thousand rotations per minute, probably. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the only thing I could hear was the noise of the, the you know, from the, the wind. And I could still hear the, the engine, you know, at, at its maximum. You could not do any more than that. Now, did you have a full face? I would hope you had a full facial helmet and leathers, or what were you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I have this... Um, Alpino jacket. Uh, uh, it's a famous brand for motorcycle equipment. So it has all the protection on the elbows, shoulders, right. back protection, uh, wrist protection. I had uh, leather gloves with knuckles and fingers protection. Um, sadly, I didn't have my pair of pants for riding a motorcycle, the one with all the protections as well, but it was a pair of jeans and a pair of boots. Uh, but honestly, if I fell from my motorcycle at 150 <laughs> miles per hour, yeah. I don't uh, think that would help. So yeah. it's a game over situation. But uh, 
Uh, well, probably, probably. Well, what uh, in a future trip back to the states is there a car that you would love to? I don't know if it's even possible um, with uh, with a uh, Brazilian driver's license and things. But if you could if you could test drive nearly any car <coughs> in a future U.S. trip, what would, wow. what would that dream uh, day behind the wheel be? What would that look like for you? Tricky question. I had not prepared for that one. I'll have to do something. <laughs> but, uh, well, I mean, obviously the classics come to mind. So I would okay. love to drive a Mustang because this is the kind of car that we only see in movies. And of course, we, you see here in Curitiba, you can see them on the streets, but it's the kind of car that here in Brazil, it's impossible for someone like me to have a car like this because sure. for us, this car, uh, like a regular Mustang, would cost more than a hundred thousand dollars. Wow! So it's a lot of money. So I would probably like to, you know, to have I don't drive a Mustang or a Camaro, mm-hmm. um, something, least, something like this. Yeah. When you say the classics, Michelle, would you say from something from like the late '60s, or when? How do you define classic <clears throat> in your mind? Well, yeah. Sorry, when I was saying classic, probably just saying I, I thought the classic name or the, or the oh, classic okay. brand. But uh, but in my mind, I had one of the newer models of Mustangs. But uh, the old Mustangs, like the '68, '69s, uh-huh. those are really beautiful. And those in Brazil, whew, those cost like three hundred thousand dollars in Brazil. So, wow. yeah. Because those are like collectors, you know, uh, specific collectors pieces. So it's really hard to see those here. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, but those would be really fun to test drive and have an opportunity. And um, uh, well, another car uh, that uh, if I was in the U.S., uh, but I don't know how easy it would be to find it in uh, the U.S. as well. Would be some of those. Um, Renko engine cars that uh, um, there used to be the RX3, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, yes, the the rotary engines, Mazda was yes, the Mazda, the Mazdas, because yeah. those cars. I mean, I really love the sound of those engines, the rotary engines, yeah, or Renko Renko engines. The Renko, yeah, and that's uh, you yeah. figure it was a, a phenomenal, uh, it was a brilliant idea, and uh, you know, a lot of mechanics didn't even want to touch them when had split. They, to your point, I think that unique sound came from the fact that they could rev into the RPM band well above most any other standard uh, in inline or V8 style engine. So you're right. And they were very compact. Like you had a 1.3 liter that produced uh, more than 200 uh, horsepower. That is like absurd. And that was. You know, stock, no turbo, no nothing. Right. It was really compact, so the cars were really light. And from what I read and see on videos, they should be really fun to ride. Oh, absolutely! I would, I would love to get behind a wheel of one of those too. Yeah, truly. Well, what? Um, maybe just two. I think it would be great to hear. Obviously, American TV portrays a lot of uh, some accurate, some not, as far as car car culture and what have you. Uh, are there any shows from growing up or teenage years or what have you that you think, wow, there was just that was the coolest car. I would have loved to have been on the the TV show set to see that thing. Anything stand out to you? Um, yeah, but the the thing is, all the shows uh, they had Portuguese name, and I don't think I would know the name in English. Okay. But there was this one. 
the Dukes of Hazard, I think oh, it yeah. is. Yes, yeah. The, with the car, uh, what is it? The, the Colonel Sanders or something? I don't know the name of the car that they were oh, driving. The General Lee, yes. General Lee, yeah, something generally, yeah. So I mean, that was as a kid, that was you know a dream. You know that orange car. I mean, a muscle car again. Yeah. I don't recall what what was the model of the car. It was just a Dodge being... Charger, actually. Yeah. Okay, okay. So that would be amazing, especially if I got the chance to to ride it uh, with that blonde lady beside me in the car. <laughs> Daisy Duke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now well, I'm gonna have to watch out, Michelle. Next thing you're gonna be jumping over a a blown out bridge in the backwoods of uh, Georgia. Yeah. You know, <laughs> will be flying. I can see it now. It's. <laughs> You'd be out of control. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's very cool. Well, I know that uh, I, when I was down in Brazil two times, I, I just enjoy uh, – you see, I was mentioning this on an earlier episode since I got back, uh, Renault and Peugeot and mm-hmm. a few marks uh, that you really don't see in the States. But I think it's really cool to be able to appreciate um, – you know, there's the automotive aspects all over the world, and no matter what corner of the globe anyone's from, um, we all need vehicles. We all need cars, whether it be trucks, motorcycles, and, and whatever. But um, at the, it, that's part of that whole car community. You can come from various walks of life and backgrounds, but uh, most everybody can hold a conversation about cars they know, cars they like. Exactly. It's uh, it's kind of a common thread, which is pretty. Unique. Yeah, very good. Yeah, and uh, as I said, uh, the, of course, being uh, and, and now I mean, car the the, the show cars of uh, Carlisle is probably becoming more international, and uh, you get more contact from people from from different countries, and you see that. Uh, although America has this, uh, very rich car culture, other countries, they have, uh, they have it as well. And not only that, they have it with very different cars. Yes. Compared to what you see in, in America. Maybe not as powerful, but with different designs, different ideas, or different, uh, different backgrounds. Some things that you look at it and you uh, find it very beautiful. And, um, I'll be more than happy than, uh, maybe even in another, uh, possibility to share some some other uh, information or experiences from uh, cars here in Brazil. Maybe some things that you guys uh, never had in the U.S. For example, we used to have some uh, Volkswagen uh, sports car based on the Volkswagen Beetle. And uh, I don't think you ever got this in in North America. No. Yeah, they were called SP2. And they were designed and manufactured here in Brazil. Uh, it was the sportiest car for Volkswagen uh, for emerging countries during the 70s and 80s. Okay. Yeah. Of course, compared to any muscle cars, you say, okay, that's, you know, not, that's lame. But uh, for us, that was like top notch. That was the best we could have at the time. And the design was brilliant. It was uh, done together with some Italian studios. Uh, it really re- resembled a, one of those old Formula One cars. Yeah. Uh, the ones that were very flat and close to the ground. So it was a two seat car. With a uh, rear air engine, it was air cooled engine, just like the the Porsches, uh, the Porsches and uh, the Subarus. It was yeah. a boxer engine, probably 1.7 liter, if I'm not mistaken. So not that powerful, about 80 horsepower, but the car was light. It weighed like maybe a thousand pounds, yeah. so it could do really good on uh, the tracks uh, around Brazil. 
That's awesome. And it's just that nimbleness and, and uh, a car that may be to some underpowered but light and uh, very great handling, that can mean the world as far as just enjoyment. And uh, I know that it's sometimes undervalued, but having a car that you can control and handle and, and toss around puts yeah. huge smiles on the face. Absolutely. And I mean, if you put it on a track, it's not just, you know, speeding straight line. You have to handle the curves and then it's really fun because as I said, you really feel the car. It's like the car was part of you. So you can control it like you are doing the curves yourself, not the car is doing it for you. So great handles. Uh, it was really a piece of art. Unfortunately, it only lasted for a f- uh, few years. Um, so you can find them. You can still find them nowadays, uh, like collector pieces. pieces. Probably they will cost you more than uh, $20,000, uh, but uh, in, in very good shape and they're still very beautiful. Yeah. That's, there's always something to be appreciated. And when you said about different parts of the world, um, whereas American design usually is around just raw um, horsepower and, and what have you, uh, Bugatti, uh, you know, as far as the French design and, and the Germans, Teutonic, uh, just bank vaults, you know, BMW, Mercedes, Audi, just the cars that are built for the Autobahn. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it's really cool how all these uh, different areas uh, are have uniqueness and uh, their own attributes and traits that uh, that stand out. And I I think there's there's enjoyment in all of that. So, like you said, from um, from the light, lower powered vehicles to you name it, there's always something to be appreciated and valued and whatever. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and well, uh, another thing that. I mean, from the beginning, when you asked about the differences, I can feel that in uh, America, you have this uh, truck culture. So you have those big trucks, the pickup trucks like the F-150, uh, this kind of uh, thing in uh, uh, other countries like in Brazil. You, you see those uh, kind, of, that, that kind of those trucks, but uh, they're not as big. Yes. They're much smaller. The biggest one we got here is probably the, I don't, know, don't even know if you still have it, the Ford Ranger. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the biggest one you get here. So yeah. so you can also see the differences, but uh, it's culture. And uh, once again, you know how much I love American culture. I've already told you that sometimes I feel like I was born in the wrong country. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, so much I like your cars culture, your sports culture, and everything. So right. I I mean every time I'm in the U.S., uh, I feel flattered to have the chance to you know witness all of this and how how many great things you guys have accomplished there. Yeah, we need to be more uh, appreciative of what we have here. But uh, thank you. In fact, anytime you're you're stateside, maybe we'll try and work it out that when you come back for work, that uh, it's during the the show season, we can get to get to see some of the the Car- Carlisle car shows, and you'll you'll be amazed at just uh, the diversity <coughs> of cars there. And to kind of bring this as we come to the close of our interview, and I really appreciate you giving up a big chunk of your evening, Michelle. But we were no worries about. Uh, uh, the Raiders and and uh, the game tonight, and you being a Cowboys fan at AT and T Stadium, ironically enough, in the one end zone, they have built into uh, these giant steel racks, and with that, they have F one fifties, F two fifties, etc. Stacked. I think if I remember, they were like four or five high. So imagine wow, three and a half, five stories of 
of F-150s, and they look like um, like an, almost a matchbox car display, but in life-size size, uh, heavy-duty trucks. And we were, our tour guide was saying that is intentional, and Ford, it's a massive marketing effort on their part to do this, working with the, the Dallas Cowboys franchise. But they had different... Uh, Grades and, and uh, trims on all the vehicles of the of the trucks and nothing but trucks, and uh, they also went on to say that there are more trucks sold in the state of Texas than anywhere else in the other forty nine states. Wow! So that is why Dodge, Chevy, I, I know particularly Dodge and Ford and others, they will sometimes have a Texas edition or they'll do something to uh, almost a Texas unique mm-hmm. edition because it is a massive part of their market. And I think Ford has recently made the announcement that they're going to continue on with the Mustang, but if I'm not mistaken with some of the... They'll kill. Yeah, they're, they're going to stick with only SUVs and trucks. Yeah, exactly. So it just goes to show that Americans are, are crazy about our big vehicles. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> right now, I cannot even complain. I mentioned this to you when you were here. Uh, until some time ago, I used to have a very small car, the one that it's like pretty common to see on the streets here in Brazil, like a small Volkswagen, uh, one liter engine, very economic, etc. And then after that first trip to the US, when I got the chance to drive the, the muscle car, I got to Brazil. I was like kind of depressed and upset. I looked at the car and said, okay, you know what? Nothing against you, my car. You've served me well, but so long. I don't want you anymore. And I bought myself a Ford Edge. Uh, so yeah. now it has a decent 3.5 liter engine, sure. V6, with 290 horsepower. So it's not a sports car or a muscle car, but I can get the thrill of at least Absolutely. spending a lot of gas every time I speed it up. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, it's in your blood. We get it. Yeah. Horsepower and octane. So. Absolutely. Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much again for spending time. It's it's now a quarter after midnight in Brazil, and and uh, I know you. It's a holiday uh, in the country tomorrow, but still, thanks for uh, staying up late and being part of this. And and uh, to the cars of Carlisle community, uh, we definitely love hearing you know hearing from the other side of the equator, and hope to have you back on a future show. Well, Darren, I cannot say how much I appreciate the invitation. It was really my pleasure to be a part of this. Uh, I just have to say that I love the show. I love the podcasts. I think that it was all, you know, very good taste. Everything was done perfectly. You have the, a very beautiful website. I can see how much love and effort and energy you've put into this, how enthusiastic you are of what you do, not only because I know you from, from work and I see that the same, those same values uh, over there, but into all of this. And uh, I think that the, you know, the region uh, where you live in Carlisle is very well represented when it comes to the car community. So congratulations to you as well. Thank well, thank you for you. the invitation. Oh, thank you. And, and to the uh, listening uh, community, I actually did not, uh, <laughs> I didn't put Michelle up to that. So thank you very much. I'm flattered. That means a lot. Well, we definitely want to have you back to the U.S. We definitely want to have you on a future show. But uh, so great having you come along for a ride tonight. And uh, you're definitely part of this uh, car culture. And welcome to uh, being one of the Cubers. So thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. 
Well, thank you for listening to that. I know sometimes with the uh, over Skype, there was a l- sometimes some distinct uh, loss in the in the audio quality, but had such a great time talking with him for almost 35, 40 minutes straight. Yeah, you were just like little boys. <laughs> we are. It was cute. <laughs> that's how, that's that's how, how you guys all get when you it's start how it talking goes. about cars. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Go from matchbox cars to your first car to, yeah. It all pretty motorcycles. much motorcycles. Yeah, it's I all. love and I love that we have a motorcycle person on the show, right? right? Like we've now the views and opinions, as well as actions taken by guests and others, are not necessarily those held by the cars of Carlisle. <laughs> as far as the excessive speeds reached and, and what have yeah, you, right. but right, we'll just throw that discla- that retro disclaimer out there. We don't condone breaking the law. No, we don't. Let's just say no, that. ma'am. <laughs> No, ma'am. But uh, no, I thought it was so much fun talking with him. And uh, I want to reiterate, too, what you mentioned at the top of the hour uh, with the whole Thanksgiving thing. would love to have fan mail, hear from you, be able to read some of those things on episode 31. Everybody's got something in their life that they are grateful for. Speaking of being grateful. Yes. Perhaps now is a good time to say thanks to Man Engineering. That's a perfect segue. For... uh, for being our sponsor. They've been year. so great. I'll go ahead and start with the what we're thankful for by saying that. I'm very thankful for Man Engineering. I feel like they're a great partner and um, a great company. And, Absolutely. Uh, I, the fact that they have parts dedicated to Subaru enthusiasts and nothing but. Yes. Gary Liu, great guy. Mm-hmm. Hope and to meet him, if not before, next uh, this time next year at Vegas for SEMA 19. Yep, in SEMA. Mm-hmm. And looking forward to working with him in the future. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. Oh, and um, speaking of being grateful. You are again, just transitioning on like a, roll. a master tonight. Um, we would be so grateful for to you, uh-huh. Cars of Carlisle fans, if you would hint, do what hint. we said a couple weeks ago <laughs> and share the podcast with three of your car enthusiast friends. That's right. Don't hoard it. Don't hold on to it. Right. Put it out the there word. to the universe. You know, I think one of the things that is interesting is our, our podcast name is Cars of Carlisle, and people sometimes feel like that means it's only about cars in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Not and at that, all. That you can only listen to it and it's only relevant if you live here in this general area. And that is not at all the case. No. And I think we've we've made a point throughout this first year of our podcast of saying, you know, these car shows here in Carlisle draw people from all over the world. Uh, it's not infrequent right it's a normal occurrence and um and you can see we we've we have fans in spain and all over the world too Mm -hmm. so don't feel like you have to only share it with people in your immediate area share it with your cousin in california share it with your aunt and uncle in minnesota i mean don't the netherlands yeah i mean everybody knows people that love cars yes so spread the word and um and let us know i agree 100 percent Well, I think you have done a perfect job tonight of just transitioning and making those segues from here to here and to here. Um, I think there were no no better place to close it by me simply saying drive well. And be well. Take Take care. care.